Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us again on the PCICS podcast, the go-to podcast for pediatric cardiac critical care. My name is Deanna Zanatos, and I'm a pediatric cardiac intensivist at Norton Children's Hospital, the University of Louisville. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, David Werho, a pediatric cardiac intensivist at Rady Children's. We are speaking with Dr. Jeff Jacobs and Dr. Anthony Chang for part two of the PCICS Founders podcast. In the last episode, you shared with us the vision and impetus for the creation of the society and gave us some insight into that first meeting. Can you tell us also about the camaraderie and friendships and social aspects of the meeting? There were moments that the faculty were out grousing the night before a little too late, but but, and we were like um, struggling uh, just being awake or being sober, but um, uh, but we weren't that drunk, but we were definitely I think it was such a good opportunity blow off steam, you know, when you're with people that do exactly what you do, they understand what you do and what you go through. There's, it's kind of like, I, I think, high stress jobs, like, you know, um, I guess uh, firefighters when they go out and have time, no one can understand your world. You know, no one can understand what we do, right? No one. I will admit, Anthony, I was very impressed by your ability to make a rapid transition from the evening activities morning activities at the first of a meeting in a period of time that was less than 30 minutes. I was, you know, still new at the game, so I would give myself the review session on low cardiac output on Saturday morning. Um, first of all, we were, Jeff and I and the whole two limited. You had a low cardiac output that session. We were out until 5.30 or 6, I think. And then the talk was at 8. We got back at, I know, after 6. So I had basically an hour to get my my act together and go downstairs and give a talk. So I went downstairs thinking, you know, I basically just stood in the shower for half an hour trying to wake up. I remember going downstairs thinking it would be like 50 people for a Saturday morning talk who, you know, no one's going to show up for this. And it was standing room only, of course. <laughs> and then um, I, Jeff came down. He, you were following me, I think, but you were there. You would have been there anyway to support me. Gil came down and laughed at me and said, and he was out with us the night before. He said, I just, I said, Gil, I so appreciate you coming down because this is going to be hard for me. Uh, um, you know, I'm not really quite awake and I'm still feeling the effects of the drinks we had. And he said, no, I, I just came down to, to I want to remember what you look like when you give a talk, but I'm going back upstairs to sleep. <laughs> but Jeff stayed with me and um, yes, we're giving the talk right after me and I'll have to confirm it on the program. But um. But I remember um, uh, as I was giving this talk, I realized I was feeling really nauseated. And I said, you know, you're doing great with this meeting. People are, there's a buzz here. If you throw up at your own talk, at your own meeting, that's going to be fodder for like for a few decades and, and in, in, in cardiology intensive care. And I, I was either going to throw up or pass out or both, right? <laughs> And I was like, kept announcing the words slowly so I won't throw up and then trying to hold on to the podium so I won't fall down. And then as I, I struggled, struggled, it was like a 20, 30 minute talk. It was long. I remember it was very long. And then at the end of the talk, I realized that like my body just kind of was like a statue. I didn't want to move because if I move, I would feel nauseated and pass out. Right. So Jeff came up. I think Jeff suspected what was happening. He came up and gave me a big bear hug 
and it, to everyone else, it looked like he was just cheering me on and was congratulating me on a good talk. But I think he was just, but he and I knew that he had to help me off the stage because- uh, right, My training at the University of Miami taught me to recognize the signs and symptoms that I was seeing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was about to pass out. And uh, so anyway, he helped me on, on to my seat and, and then we, I survived. And then Gil said, now you've set the new echelon giving talks, giving a talk when you've been out all night drinking. And that's like the highest echelon now, not just giving a great talk, but give it when you're uh, not in good shape, right? So, but that was the kind of thing that, that will just make you remember with fond, fond memories, right? Forever, it's, it's so special that, that people were, um, you know, people had fun, they learned a lot. There was a special community that people felt like had to, you know, had to be formed for the sake of children with heart disease. But at the same time, it was a very, it was an unspoken sort of esprit de corps that only the few of us really knew what it was like to be in this business. That's among the toughest, I think, professional careers I can think of. You know, pediatric cardiac intensive care. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't get better than that. I mean, I challenge you find a field that's more demanding, more stressful, uh, that demands total dedication with uh, um, so many um, subdomains of knowledge that you have to know well and evolving so fast. It just, it just, I mean, I still 25, 30 years later, I still look back in awe of what this field, you know, um, is and what we have to do to be good in this field. I mean, just, I travel all over the world. I have a collection of uh, myself in front of pediatric cardiac intensive care units from all over the world. I think I have like 56, 57 of these. I mean, they're internationally, everyone is the same. They're the hardest working doctors I've ever met, um, be it China or Paraguay or, or um, you know, UK, it's just among the hardest doctors I've ever met. And I had the pleasure of you know, having hang out with them for a beer or whatever after their work and just really talk heart to heart. Um, you wouldn't have that otherwise. It's just the most dedicated, passionate people I know in, in this field. And um, so inspired by, by people that have, you know, virtually sometimes no resources and have to make the best out of having their first Norwood survive and, you know, five people staying around the bedside, which happened, by the way, in, in uh, Paraguay, I was visiting. I mean, it's like a one bed cardiac intensive care unit and so many people devoted to having one baby survive for one night. It was just, and it blows my mind even thinking about it now, the, the level of dedication. And they would, um, that's why I was, um, so grateful that I had the opportunity to write the book because they would have that book at the bedside. You know, it's like their their crutch. And again, back when we have FaceTime and searches, it was like their crutch to like, okay, we have this book. The surgeon did a good surgery, so we just have to follow the book. <laughs> what a special privilege for me to be a part of that. You know. Um, yeah, and, and you know the international aspect that you're talking about. Um, I think that merits a little bit of dialogue here because. What we were talking about before in the 1996, 97, 98 was establishing a book and then a meeting and then a society based in the United States with a meeting at the United in the United States that a few people came from other places in the world. But over the course of your career, 
you really have globalized this. I, I've had the pleasure of being with you in a lot of different countries. Um, I, uh, one of my favorite pictures in the world is a picture uh, um, uh, of all of us in India, uh, where you had spoken at the Pan-Asian meeting about cardiac critical care. And I've got a picture of me, you, and Gil Warnowski standing at that meeting together. And the, the sense of gratitude that the people had uh, at that meeting for you and what you had brought to them over the preceding 10 or 15 years was really notable. And uh, then I can remember being in Sweden with you at uh, a surgical meeting and you were uh, uh, interventional cardiology or an intensive care, critical care faculty, uh, critical care cardiology faculty at the European Association of Cardiothoracic Surgery meeting. And again, there you were in, in, in Sweden with, um, I think tremendous respect from all of the international colleagues, because not only was it a matter of creating this concept of multidisciplinary care for critically ill patients uh, and critically ill children with heart disease, but then it was taking that concept and sharing that concept with uh, multiple countries across the world of very, um, sp I guess, spanning the breadth of uh, infrastructure and resources you're able to take these lessons and share these lessons with wealthy countries and with some countries that are not so wealthy. Well, just like my celebrity crush, Anthony Bourdain, <laughs> he can make the best out of a noodle soup on a, in a street vendor. And just like he can eat that French laundry. Right. And I, I admire him for that. And I like to feel like for cardiac intensive care, you can do the same. You can take care of a kid with, you know, Dave Wessel and I started a cardiac ICU in China in the 80s, and we had one pulse ox and two pressure lines for four beds. <laughs> it's like, wow, what an experience that was. And we had to figure out, okay, we have two pressure lines. Um, how do we use this? And we decided, okay, for the switch, we'll monitor the LA line. We don't care about the blood pressure. <laughs> And then for the, um, yeah, it was because we were doing like firsts in China, the first um, neonate who had an arterial switch ever in the history of China. If you read the history of cardiac surgery in China, you still see it up there, was the U.S. team that, that did the first switch. And Jonas was a surgeon. So yeah. um, that's why the cardiac society was special to me, because I kind of try to give back to the world that's been so, um, so gracious to kind of accept this domain as a as a area to collaborate and to have many, many different types of people work together. And um, so all of this kind of came full circle uh, two years ago, two summers ago, um, when um, I ended up adopting a child with HLHS, incredibly. Um, and then I had to be the parent at the bedside because um, she was undergoing her Fontan operation. So you can imagine what it was like for me to sit at the bedside realizing, gosh, I had a small part in, in you know, the team thinking that they may need nitrate because she was high risk and just had a little small part in having that dividend come back to my own family was just mind blowing. I just couldn't believe I was sitting at the bedside and and um, my, my um, colleague and friend who passed away uh, two years ago said to me, um, realizing I was on my way up to get heart surgery for my daughter. And he said, 
I pitied the fellow that's going to be on call that night. <laughs> Realizing the guy that wrote the book that he's reading, he or she's reading, is the parent at the bedside. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I'll, I'll try to be a dad. Um, and then um, fortunately, it was someone really, really outstanding, uh, Victor Levy, who actually was spending a year at Stanford as an neonatologist and who's a big force at PCICS. And I met him at PCICS, so everything just kind of amazingly uh, come back in a in a big way. And he said, "Everyone here knows who you are, <laughs> and, and why you're here, and you just let." And he said the best thing you could ever say to someone like me at the time. He said, "Emma's very lucky to have two sets of eyes on her tonight, yours and mine, and you just be." A daddy when you want to be and you be a cardiac intensivist when you want to be and it was just amazing so generous a statement to me and it was not like you be the dad i'll be the cardiac intensivist you just you know not contribute you know it's like what a lot of people probably would have said to me you know in, in a nice way probably would have said to me you know but he said you know we know you're a good cardiac intensivist you just speak up when you need to and uh, I'm here, you know, I'm just going to work with you. And, you know, that was so comforting to me. And, and of course, I thank PCICS for that because he came, I met him at PCICS like a, about 10 years ago. So PCICS has given me many, many, many dividends since. Um, and I did a, a very small, small thing to get it started, but it gave me so many things. And, you know, uh, gave me my family and comfort having surgery and also you know the the fact that I'm very involved in in artificial intelligence trying to bring it to to um to medicine is all for me very nostalgic and reminiscent of PCICS because it's the same thing all over again it was a field that's very new not many people are involved but everyone's interested from many disciplines except AI has you know even farther reaches in terms of adult subspecialists wanting to know about it and and the PCICS gave me the confidence and the, and the belief that one person can start something that will last a long time, you know? So obviously very, very special feelings about PCICS forever, you know? You are both um, clearly visionaries. And for those of us who are members of the society currently, um, it certainly has been a gift to all of us. And I think your vision of an inclusive group has has continued. I think um, it's a kind group of people and, a, and a, a great society to be a part of because we can all get to know each other. And I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said no one else can really understand what it's like to do what we do. And so it's nice to be in a room full of people from all yeah. over the world who understand that. It's a silent understanding and respect for each other, right? That you're a cardiac intensivist or cardiac surgeon or cardiac ICU nurse, we know what you do and we know what it's like, no matter where you are. It's a common understanding and a deep respect, no matter who you are and what you do and where you are, right? So that's inter international, it's global. And, um, you know, Aldo Castaneda used to say to me, you know, Anthony, I'm kind of envious. You have the best job in the world. You get to, I get to operate, but you get this baby the rest of the time and you can do whatever and you get this baby to live and you get to follow this baby. I don't see these kids back and I don't get to play in the ICU, you know, like you do. And I think he's right. You know, it's, it's, 
And sometimes I know the stress and strain and, and everything can get to you burnout for sure. But sometimes I walk in there and say, this is the best job in the world. And uh, it's like, how many people would love to do this and can't do it because they're the way certain things are set up in their country or they have to do, I've been to countries where you have to do nine months of general pediatrics to do a month of cardiac intensive care, you know, to be attending there. And I know pediatricians who even do this. So it's the best job in the world. And sometimes we just have to step back and say, what a special privilege to to do this for a living as difficult and as challenging as it is, it's doesn't get better than this, you know, and uh, it's, it's totally awesome a job. And so many years later, I can still say that. Um, do I miss it? No, <laughs> I think, I think Gil and I've decided that you probably have a few thousand call nights in you, no matter what. And after that, I mean, I, I miss going in the middle of the night for a baby. Uh, and that's how I met my daughter, actually. She was crashing and burning uh, with her HLHS. But um, but I don't. I think after a while, you don't miss it. You reminisce it. Other younger people do this and, and with more vigor and more energy because you do get to the point where you shouldn't, you probably shouldn't do it anymore. You know, you just don't have that same energy level. And it's no different than athletes, you know. And I think it's it's interesting that there is kind of a parallel between athletes at performing at a high level in cardiac intensive care you know it, it's not sustainable after a couple of decades you know just not sustainable but enjoy every hour you have that privilege of you know being the ultimate caretaker in the cardiac icu and dealing with all the drama with parents and um people in the icu <clears throat> and I, I think it was tremendous for me that i had the opportunity to stay three weeks in the cardiac ICU as a parent and and just observe, you know, it's just, you know, I, I remember um, I would get very emotional seeing people doing what, because, you know, we rarely sit there as a parent, right? And I think I may be one of the very, very few parents that have actually been a cardiac intensivist and now now being a parent in the cardiac ICU. I think I would recommend it for, <laughs> for, for everyone to sit, just be a parent like, figure for a day or two in the cardiac ICU and just see people coming and going and the flow of the unit and you know just uh, amazing amazing human drama and professional expertise at the highest level and you don't really appreciate it when you're in the middle of it unless you step step aside and you observe it as a from the perspective of a parent it was like a huge extra bonus for me to spend three weeks in that cardiac ICU at Stanford and 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 so many fellows and attendings come by and coming by and say hi and but the watching the action at night was i mean sometimes i would just stay up all night and just feel that amazing um sort of environment and energy and dedication and and love for these kids you know it's just it's love i mean we do it for love this is love because it's it's superhuman <laughs> you know the 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 fatigue and everything is super, you have to have superhuman energy and love to sustain yourself to do this because most people wouldn't want to do this. It's too hard. It is too hard. And you do it because it's love for your field and love for the kids. And that's it. So amazing what love can do. Well, thank you both so much for 
speaking with us today and sharing these amazing memories of the Pediatric Cardiac Intensive Care Society um, and the last 25 years. We really enjoyed having you on our podcast. I want to give a special shout out to Tim Feltes, who was, you know, one of those rare people in your life that says, I don't want any of the credit. I want to just help you. You know, I could always, everyone could use people like that. No credit. You don't need to worry about position. Just put me to work. Just let me help you. And Therese Julia is the same way. And I was so lucky to have people like that. And Jeff, about half a dozen people that were really not looking for any recognition or credit and just said, you have a, you have a big lift here and just let us help you. And if it wasn't for them, we, we wouldn't have a society. Literally, we would not have a society. Well, I, I think that's true. But I think all of us realize that if it wasn't for your vision and leadership, this wouldn't have happened as well. And it, you deserve a huge amount of credit for that. Having witnessed when we when we would sit in that little conference room at Miami Children's Hospital and talk about, well, how are we going to make this happen and why should we make it happen? And should we do it uh, in October or should we do it in July and, and who should we invite and who should be on the faculty. The vision that you had at that time, uh, every time this group meets now, whether it's a board meeting, a committee meeting, or a multinational meeting, it's all just living that vision that you put together 25 years ago. And uh, you deserve a huge amount of credit for that, Anthony. No, but it's, uh, I think, thank you, but uh, I think vision is 1%, 99% is execution, right? So I'm also grateful that so many people have carried this you know burden and would do it i'm sure everyone's doing it on their own time and and uh it's just amazing how many people resonated to this vision i'm very very grateful for that i'm hoping the same will happen with artificial intelligence it looks like it might so um but yeah and it's a special uh very fortunate to have two up two big opportunities like this you know to make a difference but wow if you if you think about seeing the nurses, especially the nurses and the trainees and young attendings and how they spend their days and nights. It's, I mean, I've been in the business for three decades. I'm still, I'm still awed by the amount of time and energy that you need to sustain one life for one night, you know, just blows my mind. And it's a, it's, as I said, it's a labor of love. I'm happy to put some of that into the society early on and, and we created a tool to help all these doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals make life better for their patients. Yeah. And that, that's what PCICS is. It's a tool that highly trained, highly skilled experts can collaborate to make life better for their patients and their patients' families. And that, that's a big deal. There were a few um, um, interesting moments, like <laughs> um, not being able to pay for the hotel bill other than Tim and I pulling out our credit cards and saying, <laughs> And he would say, what's the limit on your American Express? <laughs> I said, I, say, I think I can comfortably charge up to 25000 without calling the bank. Or <laughs> so well worth it, guys, so well worth it. So well worth it looking back. And thanks to everybody contributing you know, in their own way and including the two of you. It's just podcast. Who would have thought 25 years ago we would have a podcast about 25 years? You know, um, but it's it's the best thing is it. I think it does affect pe patients' outcome and the kids, uh, you know, lives and and their quality of life. And that's the best thing, you know, that it does impact on on all of that. So, but it's good to have a little fun and 
and uh, esprit de corps along the way too, that we so badly need in this field. It's it's the most wonderful and the most challenging field there is I can I can think of. Definitely fun to hear and inspiring to hear about all that you've done and you know how it's blossomed so much. So we really do appreciate you both joining us. Thank you. Thank you guys for putting this together. This was a yeah, very good you. hour. Thank you. Thank you both so much for your sharing your stories and your time with us. Okay. To all of our listeners, thank you for listening to the PCICS podcast. Please don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please visit our website, PCICS.org, where you can find more information about how to become a member and enjoy updated information on educational resources, meetings, job listings, and much more.